Uh, you can take out your Bibles and go to Job, book of Job, and chapter number 2. Job chapter number 2 today. Still praying about what to spend uh, February on as far as preaching on and things like that. Uh, but looking forward to what is ahead. We finished the first three messages of the year on worship and uh, excited with what the Lord did in my heart through those messages. I'm not sure if anybody else was helped, but I was. And uh, looking forward to continue throughout the year. We'll come back to the idea of worship, of course, uh, throughout the year as well. But today I want us to take a look at a, uh, we know the story of Job. Generally speaking, people understand the concept of Job and the trials and the hardships that he went through and his response to it, his friend's response to it, his wife's response to it, all of those sorts of things. Um, and Job, he, he, he had some mistakes along the way as well. But we look at Job typically as a very positive illustration for how we should go through life throughout uh, our times of trials because he really is a, a very very good godly illustration of how to handle things but as I was reading through this uh, this week in chapter 2 I came across a word and I've preached on this before a uh, different message but um, and, and, and I don't know, it just stuck out to me this time through. So look in verse number one. It says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. That phrase there it says, And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although you, Satan, has moved me against him to destroy him without cause. That's the phrase that stuck out to me reading through it this time. A lot of times I look at, and we're going to use the phrase consider today a lot, but he says, has thou considered my servant Job, which is always an intriguing aspect of the story to me too, where Satan's basically saying, uh, uh, man, it's, you know, I'm coming through here and there's no one here that loves God, that'll hold to God, that'll stay true to God. And God says, well, have you, have you, have you, have you met Job? You know, it's one of those introductions where Job's sitting there going, thanks, Lord. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but fun is, have you considered my servant Job? And he talks about all these things and we're going to look at them, uh, where he's perfect and he's upright and he fears God and he excuses evil and it says, and he still holds fast his integrity. And so I want us to look at that thought today. Hold fast your integrity. Hold fast your integrity. And we're going to use Job as the example for how to do that this morning. So we're going to consider Job 
and we're going to look at how we can hold fast our integrity. Lord, I pray for your help today. We all go through different trials, through, through different struggles. We go through physical, emotional, um, mental, uh, relationship, finances, all kinds of different struggles. And we all have different personalities and handle them in somewhat different ways. But Lord, to look at the example of Job and to see how you looked at Job, how you viewed him as someone who was good, someone who was right, and someone who held fast their integrity. God, I pray that today we would be encouraged and learn how we too can be looked at by you, viewed by you as someone who holds fast our integrity. So Lord, help us to learn from your word. Help me to present it clearly and correctly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To look at this topic and to understand how we too can hold fast our integrity, we have to consider Job the same way that God told Satan, have you considered Job? And so let's start with that point. Number one today is consider Job. Consider Job. God here calls Job his servant. This is important because he actually has a list of things about Job here in this passage. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? What does he mean by that when he calls him a servant? We know that we strive to stand before God one day and have him say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Okay, well what does that mean? The basis of servant is to serve, right? To be a, a server too. When God calls Job his servant, I believe he's looking at Job as someone who is obedient. Someone who is obedient to God. He is following God. Someone who is submissive to God. Someone who, who understands that God is his authority. So he not only obeys, but he submits. That's two different things. We can obey without submitting to a degree, right? Our heart can. But he is submissive. He is obedient. And I believe as well, when I think of the term servant, I have the idea of a worker. Someone who is working. Someone who is active. A servant is not someone who sits on the couch. A servant is not someone who is inactive. A servant is someone who is serving. In order to serve, you have to be working. You've got to be doing something. So Job, and, and we'll look at some of his, his possessions here in a minute... But Job is someone who had great blessings on his life. He was, in our eyes, filthy rich. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff. Land, cattle, animals. He had a large family, houses, property. I mean, he had it all. And he was a very wealthy man. And he still was viewed as a servant of God. And I believe, and this is opinion... But I believe that in that title, servant, my servant Job, it was someone who was active. It was not someone who would sit around and just as uh, Scrooge McDuck would dive into the gold coins. He wasn't just you know, laying in his money. He was still serving God. God did not view him as someone who had served, but someone who was serving. So he says, consider my servant Job. He calls Job here perfect and upright. What does that mean? It means complete and not bending. 
Job was someone who God looked at and he says he's perfect, not, not meaning sinless. That's not what the word means. Not meaning sinless, but complete, well-rounded, f- fulfilling. His life, the way that he lived, was a complete uh, life in God's eyes in the sense that he was fully obedient, that he was fully loving of God. He was not a sinless man, but he was a very good man. And his life was characterized by his goodness, and his, his actions proved to God that he was complete. I believe he loved the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his mind. And then upright, not bending. And again, it's the same, same idea as complete. That's why God puts them together here, these two words. It is this, this um, uh, I'll use the word without blemish, but again, it's not sinless. But again, his character, when people looked at Job, they didn't go, well, I know the Job, I know the real Job. And the real Job, he gets a cranky. Now, maybe his wife would say that, I don't know. But when people looked at Job, when they viewed Job, they saw him, and more importantly, God saw him, as perfect and upright, complete and not bending. He didn't give in to uh, the world. He didn't give in to uh, the flesh. He didn't give in to the, the points where we typically would fail. Job was not that way. And it's not that he was anything extra special. It was that he was obedient. And he did what he was supposed to do. So God says, he's my servant. He's perfect and upright. It says he feareth God. He was reverent and respectful and understanding of who God was. And that goes right along with the other things that he did. But he feared God. And the Bible teaches us over and over and over again how important it is. And we've talked about it in other messages to fear God. Job, when God looks at Job, he says, he's a servant, he's perfect and upright, he fears God, he escheweth evil. We need to use this word more often. We don't use this word much anymore. He escheweth evil. He revolts against evil. He removes evil from around him. He turns off evil. He doesn't allow it into his life. And isn't that where we fail the most? We say, I want to do right, I want to do right, I want to do right, but then we allow wickedness to creep in, and we don't shut it off, and we don't run from it. We allow it to hang close by. And the Bible says that Job escheweth evil, meaning he revolts, literally what it means, revolts evil. He, he removes it from out of his life. He does not allow the temptation to be there. Which is intriguing, right? Because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. What does that tell you about Job and his riches? It tells you that he loved God. He loved God. He didn't allow the, 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 the financial blessings in his life to become evil. He revolted against the evil. He eschewed it. And then the Bible says, and still he held fast. His integrity. It's an interesting phrase here. It's and still in spite of, and, and, and the way it's broken out grammatically here, it says, and still he holdeth fast to his integrity, although thou, Satan, movest against me, excuse me, me against him, to destroy him without cause. I enjoy the sport of mixed martial arts. 
It's a, it's a, it's a violent sport. I don't watch it as much as I used to. Uh, but there's something about the discipline of the, uh, uh, of the fighters that they have to get to to be able to go and fight on a professional level. And, uh, and it's just incredible. And, and you, you learn how many weeks they put into preparation for one fight, a fight that may only last 30 seconds, and they put months of work into it. They've got to get their mind right. They've got to get their body right. They've got to get their weight to where it's supposed to be. All these kinds of things. In a championship fight, at the end of the fight, when the announcer is reading who the winner is, if the defending champion wins, his response or his announcement is, and still champion. And if it's the, the other guy, then it's an new champion. And so there's this idea of, in the announcement, this person retained, this person maintained, this person kept his title, this person is still the champion. And God looks at Job, and he's looking at all the things that Job is characterized by, and he understands what Job has been through, and we'll look at it in just a moment, what Job has been through, and he says he still holds fast his integrity. It still stands. The idea of this integrity, what is integrity, it means he's still useful. He's still complete. He's still perfect and upright. He still fears God. He still eschews evil. He's still my servant. Integrity means it's useful. You think about a, a, a container. If it holds its integrity, it's still useful. If the container no longer holds its integrity, it's no longer useful to contain whatever it is you put in it. If you have a barrel full of water, it has a hole in it, it's lost its integrity. If you have an oil pan in your vehicle and it has a crack in it, it's lost its integrity. If you have a chair and there's a broken piece on it, it's lost its integrity. It's no longer useful. But Job held on to his integrity. He is still useful. He is still complete. He can still do what God desired for him to do in spite of what has happened to him? Well, what happened to him? Look in chapter 1, verse number 13. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, and there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, and there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone, or I only, am escaped alone to tell thee. And when he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I alone only am escaped alone to tell thee. You want to say Job got some bad news in a very short amount of time? You understand how it's laid out for us there. It's, as one person is sharing the bad news, another one shows up. And shares more bad news. And as he's sharing his bad news, another one shows up and shares more bad news. 
And when I say bad news, I don't mean the car's broken down. Right? Everything you own and everything you love, with the exception of your wife and where you currently stand, has been taken from you. Your children, your servants, your cattle, the other animals, your other possessions, they're all gone between armies that have come, between uh, a fire from heaven, between uh, a tornado, between whatever it is that came through, everything's gone, Job. And God says to Satan who stands before him, he says, and Job still holds fast his integrity. Would you hold fast your integrity in that situation? Would you still be useful in that situation? If you were standing there and you had messenger after messenger after messenger come and tell you everything you have is gone. And I don't have as much as Job had. Would I still hold fast my integrity? Would God be able to say, and Vince still holds fast his integrity? We have to consider Job when we're looking at, can I hold fast my integrity? Number two, consider the pain of Job. Consider the pain of Job. Not just consider the situation he went through. Consider who he is, how God characterizes him. Consider the pain of Job. Look at chapter 2, verse number 4. And Satan answered the Lord, and he said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. Satan said, God, we've, you've taken everything he owns, but let's face it, until you, until you touch him, until you affect him personally, until physically he feels pain, anyone will, will, will curse you to save their own life. And so God gives permission to Satan. And he says, you can have Job, but you cannot kill him. You cannot take his life. Now listen, right? Think about this for a minute. Wouldn't have that been the merciful thing to take his life versus what he was getting ready to go through? Did God understand the amount of stress that Job was going to be put through? Not only the emotional stress he was already in, but now the physical stress that comes along with it. Did God not understand how much of the ringer Job was going to be put through here? Yes, of course he did. And after everything that he went through, God said he still holds his integrity. And Satan said, well, then we need to go through more. Look at verse number 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and he smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took Job, him a pot sheared, to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Now, this is interesting because what it appears is Job, going through this trial, he didn't even do what you would normally do in this situation, putting aloe and things like that on the sores. And he didn't go try to find a comfortable place to sit. He scrapes off the sores with a pot sheared, 
And he goes and he sits among the ashes. He, he was mourning the loss of his family. And he continued that mourning. The afflictions went further. The afflictions continued. The hardships got worse. What did Job do? Verse 10, the last part of the verse says, In all this did not Job sin with his lips. And still, he held fast his integrity. I look at Job and I think, again, Job was not a, a sinless man. But I look at everything he went through and I thought, boy, I'd break. We think about military captives and prisoners of war and, and the torture and the things they go through and they're trained what to say and they're trained what to give the enemy and they're trained what not to give the enemy. But you know what? You get to a point where nobody blames somebody for breaking. Right? You get to the point where you'd say, my goodness, just tell them already. Job wouldn't give in. I would not blame Job for giving in. I don't think, if you're honest with yourself, you would have blamed Job for giving in. But he didn't. And no matter what he was going through, and no matter the pain Job was going through, and I, I bring that up because I say, you know, we sit here and we go, well, you know what, I, I give up. I've met so many Christians who have said, you know what, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just couldn't go through it anymore. I was going through so much. I was under so much weight. I was under so much struggle. I had so much going on in my life. And I just, I said, you know what, I'm done. I give up. Whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. And we get to that point where we say, you know what, it's just not worth it to me. And again, it goes back to a wrong view of God, not understanding who God is, that God is worth all of it and what God can do for you through all of that. But yet, so many Christians will experience any kind of pain and they say, I'm done. But Job did not. So consider the pain of Job because I guarantee the pain of Job was more than the pain you've experienced. And I don't mean to say you have not experienced pain. But consider Job's pain. And yet still, he held fast to his integrity. Number three, consider the lack of support for Job. This is another area Christians find the excuse to give up. Consider the lack of support for Job. Look in verse number nine. Then said his wife unto him, Honey, I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need, I'll take care of you. No. She said, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Curse God and die. His wife tells him, Give up. His wife tells him, Give up. Curse God and die. This tells me they understood to a degree of what was happening. Right? They understood to a degree. The reason why this was happening is because Job would not curse God. Satan says, everything's too easy. God says, consider Job. 
Well, no matter what you do to Job, Job's not going to curse me. And his wife, when everything was going on, said, Job, just curse God so you can die and get this over with. You can finally not, not be in pain anymore. That's, that's, that's not a great support system. <laughs> I understand why she's saying it, right? I, I think we can all understand why she was saying it. She sees her husband in all this agony. And she, you know, we hate to see family members struggle. We hate to see family members in pain. But her advice wasn't beg God to heal. Her advice was curse God and die. Honestly, I believe that the greatest attack Satan put on Job was this. It wasn't the physical boils and pain. It wasn't the loss of, of, of everything he had. It was those who were supposed to be his support, not supporting him. We know his friends were very similar. They blamed Job, said, oh, you must have sinned. You must have done something horrible to be getting this action. Job had no support from anyone around him. And again, there are Christians who, who they'll, they'll go through a trial and they, they won't have the support. And they'll say, you know what, fine, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. Doing right can be very lonely. Listen, God's given us a church, and the church is supposed to edify and encourage and support one another, but the reality is, is we're humans, and we oftentimes fail to do so. And someone in our church can be going through pain and struggle and not be getting the support that they're supposed to be getting from us. But you're still responsible for you. And whether anybody else on this earth is supporting you, you're still responsible for you. And you still have the decision to still hold fast your integrity or to curse God. And so many Christians will go with Job's wife and just say, I'm done. I don't want this. The Bible tells us, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but I promise it's in there. The Bible tells us, that if we follow God, if we love God, if we obey God, we will experience persecution. It's going to come. As much as I'd love it to be an easy ride, it's just not that way. But Job chose, even in the, the, the possession loss, even in the family loss, even in the physical pain, even with the lack of support, he still held fast to his integrity, and as it says in verse 10, in all this did not Job sin with his lips. Actually, his response was interesting. Verse number 10, but he said unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. He says, you're talking like an atheist. The fool has said in their heart, there is no God. So you're speaking like the foolish women speak. You're speaking like someone who doesn't believe in God. You're speaking like someone who doesn't love God. You're speaking like someone who doesn't know God. And then he says, uh, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? He says, uh, you expect only good things to happen? 
1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't be surprised by the trials. Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's going to come. It's not all going to be sunshine and roses. There are going to be hardships and there's going to be trials. And he says, what? We're only supposed to have good things happen to us because of God? We're not supposed to expect anything bad to happen in our lives? And this is a guy who has been absolutely struck down with physical ailment. From his toes to the crown of his head, he's got boils and sores. And he had just lost everything he owned with the exception of this woman who's telling him to curse God and die. And his response is, what's wrong with you? Again, paraphrasing. (laughs) You're speaking like an atheist. We know God. We know the goodness of God. And we can suffer some trial. We can have some tribulation. And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. What an incredible illustration for us. Consider Job. Consider the pain of Job. Consider the, uh, uh, the lack of support for Job. And then the last thing I want to look at this morning is consider Job's response. Because when we look at this and we say, okay, I need to be, remain useful, hold my integrity. I need to remain uh, 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 complete and useful. How do I do that? Well, because I, I mean, how do I do that when I go through extreme loss? Well, consider Job. Well, how do I do that when I go through, through a lot of pain? Well, consider the pain of Job. It, it, was, it, it was worse. Well, how do I do that when no one is supporting me and encouraging me and helping me? Well, consider the lack of support Job had. And then consider the response of Job and then apply this to your life. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In all this did not Job sin with his lips, according to Scripture here. And everything that happened, and even in the frustration of his own wife, he didn't sin. What does that tell us about our response? What happens when we experience loss? What happens when we experience pain? What happens when we experience loneliness? Oftentimes a Christian becomes bitter. Bitter at God. Bitter at other people. And we allow that bitterness to creep in and to influence our life. And the next thing you know, we're just another Christian who's walked out on God. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It's that root of bitterness. And it can be towards anybody. 
and defile your heart. It doesn't have to be bitterness against God that defiles your heart. It can be bitterness against another person. And we get to this point where, where something negative happens in our life and we allow bitterness to creep in. And the next thing you know, we don't hold our integrity anymore. We're no longer useful. Because bitterness creeps in and it takes over and it troubles us. Again, I look at Job here and I go, my goodness, he lost all his family. He says in verse chapter 1, in verse 20, Job arose and he rent his mantle and he shaved his head and he fell down upon the ground and worshipped in the midst of all this pain. And he said in verse 21, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job said not, neither charged God foolishly. Incredible. He loses all his possessions, and he loses his children's life. And he, he went through the normal mourning process and he worshipped God. And he said, God gave all of it to me and God took it all away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Woo! Incredible. He said, I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave this world with nothing. Praise the Lord. And then he gets afflicted himself with the boils and his wife says, curse God and die. He doesn't do what Adam did. God, this woman that you gave me, she's causing me problems. No. He confronts his wife. And he says, you're talking like an atheist. Stop it. You can't just expect good things to happen. He didn't get better at her, which is incredible, because I would have. I would be sitting there going, seriously? That's your advice? You want my life insurance? What's going on here? <laughs> right? I would be pretty upset about this. But Job said, honey, you're wrong. Your attitude is wrong. Your mindset is wrong. That's not what God desires. And I'm going to continue to hold fast my integrity. She even asks him, right, in verse number 9, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Yes. He does. Why? Because he didn't let bitterness creep in. He wasn't bitter at God for the loss he experienced. And that's not easy, right? He wasn't bitter at God for that. He wasn't bitter at his wife for her advice. No, he didn't let bitterness creep in. And, and he did not sin with his lips. James 3, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. I always read verse number 10 when it says, In all this did not Job sin with his lips, which is different than verse 22 of chapter 1, where it says, In all this Job sinned not. In verse 10 it specifically says he did not sin with his lips. And my immediate thought goes to, so what did he sin with? <laughs> right? 
So what did he sin with? If he didn't sin with his lips, what did he sin with? That means his heart was mad. Well, hold on a sec. The Bible says, if, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and he's able also to bridle the whole body. Where do we typically sin with first? Not always. The lips. How many times have you said something and you thought, oh my goodness, shouldn't have said that. Oh, I don't like the way that came out. <laughs> I've, been, I've learned, thankful to a very quick backhand of my mother, I've learned how to quickly apologize when I say something that I should not say. And to this day, I feel like I do a pretty good job at that, of when I say something, and instead of just sitting there thinking in myself, going, oh, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have said that, why did you say that? That was so stupid. Why, why did you do that? I actually say that out loud. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong of me. Please forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. It's so hard to not offend with our lips. It's so hard for us to not sin with our mouth. We're so quick to just spit it out there. Hit your hammer with a finger and see if you sin. <laughs> Hit your hammer with a finger? Hit your finger with a hammer. Opposite. Hit your, hit your finger with a hammer and see if you don't sin. Me and Pastor Scott from Indiana, we were building a prophet's chamber, uh, a little apartment room at the church in Indiana. And it was hard. Neither of us were good at it, and, but we had the time, so we were doing it. And I remember I got to the end of the project, and he's like, you know what, I feel pretty good about this. I think it looks pretty good. And I was like, you know what, I'm just happy I didn't cuss during this project. And he goes, oh, you did. I said, what? I said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, yeah, you did. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, was, I was offended. I was like, what are you? And he said, you hit your finger back, you know, early on in the project, and you said a word you shouldn't have said. And I was like, no, I did not. And he said, yeah, you did. It's so hard to not say something wrong. And the Bible says if you can control your tongue, the words that come out of your mouth, you can control the rest of your body. Like a bridle put in the mouth of a horse controls a horse. And when God says, and all this, Job did not sin with his lips, it shows to me he had control. He had control. And when we look at Job and we say, my goodness, this guy, of all these things, Servant of God, perfect and upright, he feared God, he excueth evil, and he was attacked by Satan, and still he held fast his integrity. He was still a useful vessel for God. What about us? How do we react when adversity strikes? If Satan were allowed to come down and do whatever he wanted to us, with the exception of taking our life, how long would we last? I've been fortunate in my life to be around Christians my entire life. I've been and seen from all over the, the country to even multiple different nations, Christians, talk with them, be around them, be friends with them, 
be enemies with them. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot. And I'll tell you what, Christians, so many of them are so weak. They're almost Christians by word, but not by deed. They're Christians because they want to go to heaven, not because they want to follow God. And when adversity strikes, they go, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for eternal life. I signed up for golden streets. I signed up for the river of life. I signed up for that mansion. That's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for this. Read your Bible. Read about Stephen, faithful servant of God, who was stoned to death. Read about the apostles who were beaten. Read about uh, those who were beaten nearly to death and thrown out of cities. Read about those who were spit on, those who were screamed at, threatened, martyred. Doesn't sound like golden streets to me, but you know what? Those men and those women today are on golden streets. They weren't Christians for the golden streets. They were Christians for the God who made the golden streets. And it's why they were able to withstand the adversity that came on in their life. It's why they were able to hold on to their integrity and their usefulness to God. It's because they understood it doesn't matter what happens to me in this life. God has promised me what I will have for eternity. And so I'll just keep on. And there's no better example of that than Job. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to experience what Job experienced. Nobody does. I don't want to experience what Job experienced. Man, I, I don't even want to lose my dog. The cat? No, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. No, don't want to lose the cat either. Everything that Job went through, God looked down and he said, Job still holds fast his integrity. And yet, you get one unexpected doctor's visit, and you begin to look at God and go, God, what's going on? What's the big deal? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. And you allow that bitterness to creep in. You have one interaction with a fellow Christian that doesn't go the way you'd like it to go. And you allow that bitterness to creep in. You start to gossip, which is a sin with the lips. All over a conversation? Consider Job. In all this, Job sinned not. And still, he holdeth fast his integrity. In all this, Job uh, did not Job sin with his lips. Consider Job. When your integrity is about to be broken, your usefulness for God is about to get cracked, your barrel is about to get a hole in it, consider Job. And hold fast your integrity. Lord, help us. We know in our own strength we can't do it.
But Lord, we know the God of Job is our God. And Lord, I pray that today you would help us to commit, to recommit to you, Lord, to to be what you want us to be, to do what you want us to do, that in spite of anything that goes on in our life, that, Lord, we will still be your servant. Lord, that we will still be perfect and upright. Lord, that we will fear you, that we will skew evil, and that we will still hold fast our integrity. Lord, this morning I pray if our integrity is not currently present, God, I pray that you would restore us as the potter restores the vessel. And, Lord, that we can maintain from there. But, God, we need your help to do so. And, Lord, I understand that we have to have the understanding and the commitment and the fortitude in our own hearts to want to hold on to that integrity. So, God, strengthen us. Help us to not be the average Christian. Lord, help us to consider Job and to be like him. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed.